Hi, everyone. Happy Wednesday. It's Mark Dent from Law Trades, and it's time for this week's edition of 10-Minute Legal News. This week, I'm going to be talking about, of all things, Napster. Um, I'll also be discussing soaring salaries in the legal world. And then finally, Scarlett Johansson taking on Disney. But first, let's talk about that music service that we all used to have uh, if we were old enough and that nobody has anymore, which is, of course, Napster. And this is about a, a case involving harassment and Napster that could actually have a major impact on Spotify and other um, social media services that aren't really quite social media. So uh, let's let's start with this. Uh, Napster is is not the same Napster that we knew from like 1999 and 2000 before Lars Ulrich got involved. Um, so back then, of course, it was the file sharing service founded by Sean Parker, and everybody downloaded music for free. But, you know, that hasn't been going on for a long time. Around 2008, uh, it, it, it basically ceased to exist and uh, was bought up by another company and then later merged with another company called Rhapsody. And Rhapsody took on the name Napster. And so the product that exists today uh, with the name Napster is actually basically the same thing as Spotify or Apple Music. It, it's a streaming service where people can also download the songs for to listen to them offline if they would like. So anyway, what happened here was a uh, a couple and um, a, a former uh, former partners, and uh, the man in the relationship had a restraining order filed against him by the woman. And uh, despite having this restraining order, he kept using their shared Napster account. And on this shared Napster account, he would change the titles of the playlists to things like, I want us to work, do you, I'll do anything. And because that restraining order had already been uh, granted against him, he was accused of violating the order. And, you know, he basically pleaded no contest. Um, so uh, that's kind of what happened with the case. But, you know, where it gets interesting is that uh, as The Verge reports, uh, that this case is, is, quote, an example of how metadata can become a vector for harassment outside major social platforms. And, and metadata, by the way, is just data uh, that essentially describes data, data within data. And uh, what that means is that on these sort of platforms like, you know, Spotify or Napster, even though nobody uses it, but but think of, you know, places like, you know, perhaps Venmo as well that aren't really like social media platforms in the traditional sense, but they involve social media to some extent. Uh, there could be like these issues of harassment arising, just like we would see on, you know, Facebook and Twitter. And these companies are not quite as equipped, uh, or at least they have not shown that they're quite as equipped to deal with it. Um, Spotify, for instance, has been accused of not doing enough to police reports of harassment on, on playlists, for instance, or uh, from stalkers following uh, different users' music selections. So, uh, so it's kind of like a good lesson to remember that you know even these platforms that we wouldn't consider social, they still have social media problems, and there's going to have to be um, perhaps some more legal cases that are going to come out unless they kind of start to kind of clean it up on their own uh, that are really going to dictate what happens with them. All right, moving on to the next story, which is about money. And the legal industry is awash in money right now. And obviously, uh, it, it's a, you know, a very lucrative profession, particularly at the top law firms 
all the time, but that is especially the case now. Uh, you may remember a month or two ago in the newsletter, uh, I mentioned that some of the top firms in the country, like Davis Polk and Milbank, were raising the annual salaries of associates by somewhere between $10,000 to $25,000. Well, things are still going up. Um, and, and the new craze are, are bonuses. Um, according to the Financial Times, Kirkland & Ellis has been offering $250,000 to mid-career employees who have job offers on the table um, elsewhere. So if, if they don't take those job offers elsewhere, Kirkland & Ellis is going to give them 250000 which is about uh, you know the salary for um, an associate who's probably been at that firm for a couple, three years. Um, now, obviously, there are some strings attached, like you have to stay for X number of years or you have to you know give back some of that bonus. But nevertheless, um, $250,000 just to not leave. Um, and uh, by the same uh, sort of token, you are seeing these other bonuses from firms trying to get those attorneys to leave. Um, Paul Hastings and Goodwin Proctor, for instance, are uh, offering thirty to $50,000, um, or I'm sorry, yeah, they're offering signing bonuses uh, that are sometimes in, in that ballpark. Uh, and, and this is for firms that didn't even offer signing bo- bonuses um, in, in the past. And, and now you're seeing them in the high five figures, if not six figures. And also what I was going to say is that firms like Paul Hastings and Goodwin Proctor are even giving their attorneys uh, $30,000 to $50,000 for recommending new associates who get hired. So it's like a referral fee, not something that you would see all the time in the past, once again. Uh, and, and then finally, spring bonuses are now being offered in addition to Christmas bonuses. Um, and, and so why is this happening? Uh, we, we've covered this a little bit, you know, in the last few weeks, uh, in the sense that there are a lot of attorneys looking to jump ship. Um, and that's in part because people have been empowered by working from home. Yay. You know, as we know, uh, that's a good way, uh, to do it. And, you know, attorneys have found that they really like it and firms are having to figure out how to hold on to them and they're able to entice others by offering that work from home perk. Uh, the other reason is that M&A activity is, is very high right now. Um, there's just been a lot of that going on this year, more than in the last couple of years. And then you have to keep in mind that last year's legal backlog is, is kind of coming to the front. And so there's just a lot of work to be done uh, right now. And uh, so I, it kind of comes down to this. Um, it, it's never been better uh, to be an earlier mid-career lawyer, at least from a financial standpoint. You still have to work a ton of hours if you take any of those jobs. But financially, you're going to be set even more than normal. Uh, one recruiter uh, in the legal industry told the Financial Times, quote, associates can pretty much ask for what they want. All right. Final story this week is about Hollywood uh, technology and Scarlett Johansson, one of the top actresses in the world. So you uh, you may be aware that Black Widow, uh, the latest movie uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, came out in early July. Uh, it was pretty successful, gaining I, I believe around eighty million dollars at the box office in its first uh, in its first weekend or two. Um, but uh, that is not how much you would expect for a top Marvel blockbuster. And one of the reasons why is that it was also released on Disney Plus at the same time. That Disney Plus, of course, being the streaming service for Disney. And Scarlett Johansson, um, you know, was not so happy about that. 
she filed a lawsuit claiming that Disney breached her contract. Uh, she claimed uh, that her contract required a theatrical-only release for Black Widow. Uh, and by releasing it on the streamer at the same time, um, that was a violation. And this matters a lot because Scarlett Johansson, like most of the biggest stars, makes a lot of money on back-end profits. So whatever the movie makes at the box office, she gets a certain cut of that. And because this movie was released on the streamer at the same time, it stains the reason that Black Widow did not make as much at the box office as it would have. In fact, the, the Wall Street Journal reports that the simultaneous streaming release may have cost her $50 million. Uh, that's, that's from some insiders in Hollywood, at least. So there have been a lot of movies that have come out over the last several months on, on streaming and in theaters at the same time. But this is the first lawsuit. Uh, why? Uh, there's been a lot of people angry about it, but Scarlett Johansson has star power. Uh, some of the biggest, you know, in the country, and she is not going to alienate producers and, and Hollywood executives by filing this lawsuit, whereas others might. Um, but so what, what's the sort of, you know, kind of glean from all this, other than that it's just sort of interesting and Scarlett Johansson, you know, versus Hollywood, et cetera. Well, uh, the big studios are going to be watching this, as are uh, movie theaters, because, you know, movie theaters need people to return uh, if they want to stay in business. And the big studios have invested a lot on their streaming platforms. And we're kind of in like this odd area of where, um, who's, who's going to win out? Like, are people going to really return to theaters or is streaming just going to become this even huger thing? And this lawsuit could be incredibly complicated for, for everything because, um, when, when other stars see what Johansson has done, they could decide, well, I might just file a lawsuit as well. And these kinds of lawsuits could complicate everything that the studios have been working on. They may have to think twice about these direct-to-streaming releases, and it could lead to uh, studios continuing to put movies into theaters for at least 45 days or, or even longer before putting them onto their streaming platforms. So it has a lot of implications for how that sort of technology goes forward, and, and we may see a lot more legal action around it in the near future. Okay. But that is it for this week. Everyone, I thank you all for listening and uh, look forward to doing this again next week.